Welcome to the Executive Connect Podcast, a show for the new generation of leaders. Join Melissa Arscog as she speaks to a wide variety of guests that bring new insights into leadership, prosperity, and personal growth. While no one has all the answers, by building a community of open-minded and engaged leaders, we hope to give you the tools you need to help you find your own path to success. I'm here today with my dear friend, Avni, who has more than 17 years of experience in technology sales and operations. She was most recently the VP of Global Solutions Consulting at Elucian, an EdTech B2B SaaS company, where she led a large global team. Prior to that, she was the Director of Sales and Marketing for the Americas region at Intel Corporation, driving over $10 billion in revenue for the company and their key OEM customers. Avni is from Mumbai, India, and a graduate of the University of Minnesota, Carlston School of Business. She is currently building her sales consulting and fractional CRO business and is heavily involved with the professional networks such as Austin Women in Tech, Social Ventures Partners, and Executive Council Network. She lives in Austin with her two little girls, ages eight and 11. She's an avid dancer who also enjoys traveling, golf, and exotic fruits. Welcome so much, Avni. I'm so happy to have you here with us today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you. So today we chose some really fun topics, challenges and empowerment. So jumping right in, Avni, can you share a personal experience or story that illustrates a significant leadership challenge you faced in your personal career? Yeah, for sure. So uh, I've been I've been a leader manager for about 10 years or so. And I was thinking about this question really deeply. And I said, you know, the biggest challenge I always face when I go into a role is trust. You know, building trust takes takes time and, and most of my leadership career, I've always been plucked and put into a leadership position or you know pulled up through a sponsor or a mentor. And I always feel like when you get into the role, it's almost like everybody looks at you going, you know, okay, so, okay, so she's here, but do I trust her? And I think that's the biggest challenge any leader should think about when they really get into, whether it's their first management role, whether a leadership role, whatever it is, the, the building trust aspect is huge. I remember I was a part of this this group of people that were brought to Taiwan as expats in my Intel career. And, you know, imagine Taiwanese, managing Taiwanese engineers, Taiwanese ODMs, and you go in and you're like, who is this foreign person? You know, are you, do I really trust her? So I really think it's important to take time to build that trust, whether it's with your team, you know, I had one-on-ones every week in every of my leadership positions to start. And I think it starts with, you know, I don't know what you know, you know better than me in a lot of ways they did. I'm here to remove roadblocks and I'm here to coach you in the areas where you're not seeing some of the more strategic um, imperatives or vision or whatever have you, right? But it's more about that humility that I think that really builds trust. And, you know, we need to come with that to the table versus, hey, I'm just, I'm your manager now. And, you know, this is what I do. So I think that's, that's, I really do think everybody needs to think about that as a first step. That's a great point. Trust is everything. I think when building teams and getting people to do things that they might not want to do. So as a new boss, you have new viewpoints, new ideas that 
the previous manager didn't, you approach decisions differently. And so in thinking about taking on a new role and how you approach difficult decision-making as a leader, what strategies have you found in coming in and making decisions and building that trust? Yeah, so I was when I was brought into Lucian, the 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 diff, the most difficult decision making to me as a leader is when you're given the least amount of information and yet you have to make decisions about people. Let's just say I had to let go of people and I had to figure out a way to do it with the least amount of dis, you know information on you know, what, how I had a budget, but that's it, right? Like, here's your budget. Here's what you do. Now go do it. And to me, it's, it's really hard because as a new leader, I'm like, okay, I'm going to come in. I'm going to drive this operational excellence without any information from leadership as to, as to what, why, how. So I can't be transparent, obviously. So I think the, the, those are the difficult decisions. I really thought about it as a data driven decision. So instead of just saying, okay, this is the number, here are the people, I put an entire plan based on data saying, this is our attrition, but based on our attrition alone, we should be able to achieve our target in four months. And then put an entire plan that was a year out. And I said, I'm not doing it under a year. People need time to move on. People need time to find new jobs. And, 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 and we need time, frankly, to train new people to take on the, the responsibilities of who's being let go. So it's a very, very meticulous analytical journey that I took on versus emotional. And I said, it's gonna be a year out. We're going to offshore certain roles, but it's going to happen on this timeline, which gives everybody time to find what they need to do and also achieves the target that was put in front of me. So I think that's, that's kind of the approach I take is just keep an analytical, ensure you understand what people would want and need and your people, especially when you're making these difficult decisions and then convince your, you know, your powers to be that you will get there and this is the journey you're taking to get there and this is the best way to do it. I love it. I, I like that you you mentioned data. Data is key to making decisions. I think sometimes in our fast-paced world, people make quick decisions with no information on gut and um, and it poses a lot of conflict in organizations. So letting people go um, is something I would consider a, a challenge, um, like a common challenge, conflict resolution and letting people go. So in your experience um, in dealing with conflict in the workplace, can you share a way that you effectively resolve conflicts within your team or workplace, especially like you mentioned, starting a new job and you know, people have opinions. There's probably a lot of conflict. Um, you know, how did you go about resolving that to your new assigned team? Well, I just threw them all in a room and let them hash it out. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I wish I could do that in our in our fast paced Zoom environments. Now that's that's getting a little bit tougher. To just throw people in a room. Um, I do think that proactively managing the relationships is, is what I would call conflict re resolution methodology that I use, right? So usually I think conflict occurs definitely within the team, but I've seen it more like cross team. You know, when you're cross collaborating, whether it's product, whether it's R&D, whether it's, you know, other sales organizations that you're dealing with, right? The conflicts arise when your, you know, your vision or your team or what they're driving is, is not an exact alignment with what product wants to say. So I tell the team, as soon as I come in, I said, you know, start building those relationships of who exactly influences your day-to-day -day activity, or at least some part of your activity 
and build those relationships to start so that when it comes to the conflict, it's not like I've just seen you for the first time or I'm talking to you the first time and I'm not in agreement. Because again, it's a part of trust. I mean, if I know you, you and I have a conflict, but I've known you and we've talked and we've hung out together and we've really worked together, then you know it really doesn't matter whether I have conflict. Uh, I can resolve it pretty easily just through communication and you know and, and doing that. So that's like proactive, you know, ensuring you're building the cross collaborative culture from the start as a leader, so that when it comes to managing a lot of these conflicts outside of your team, it's a little bit easier. Second. I do say, you know, when my senior directors had, you know, one of my senior directors had a conflict with a, a pretty senior sales leader, you know, and I said, you know, the, the only way to, for you to resolve this is actually have a, a one-on-one, -on -one, outline both your issues. And if you can't do it, involve me, and I will ensure I come in and give you air cover. But I think I would empower my people to be like, just have that talk, just have that transparent conversation and let's move forward. Sometimes those conversations will agree to disagree and commit. And that's when I usually you know, help give some air cover or give some perspective. So it's, it's you know, we, we're going to have to ensure we communicate, over communicate sometimes, especially in the Zoom world where we're not face to face having a coffee. Um, just you know, over index on those one on ones is what I would say is the best way. And I love that. I think making people accountable to communicate and delegating that to them versus, you know, mom and dad kind of playing the kids against each other, right? And I think, I love that. I think accountability is a significant responsibility for leaders. So in that situation, um, how you handled accountability and had them go figure it out themselves first and giving them the opportunity to uh, sort things through themselves and figuring it out is really key, I think, in, in leadership than always doing it for everybody. Yeah. I think of the, the analogy, like give a man a fish, he eats for a day. You teach a man to fish, he eats for a lifetime. So you're really teaching your people to handle their own problems and bring back solutions to you versus giving them the answers on all their problems. I love it. I love it. I think it's brilliant. Yeah. And I think it's all about silos, right? I mean, the conflicts arise because of silos. So the more we break them down daily, weekly, whatever, right? In person, on Zoom, the better we will communicate and the better we will work together as a team. Yep, love it. Um, I think like another challenge to me in the leadership space these days is how fast everything is evolving. I feel like time is moving so fast. We don't have patience. We need things yesterday or tomorrow. It's so fast that expectations are so quick. Like you could start a job and they expect you to drive X revenue in a very short period of time with a small staff. So as a leader, um, what advice can you share to others facing similar challenges in a rapidly changing business environment? I really do think pauses are important. I know it's everything's moving fast all the time. The first thing I always do as a leader, you know, coming in, right, both, you know, all my leadership roles, I would say, let's, let's take two days to figure out who we are. Like, I don't even know who we are. A lot of the time, most, most of the team don't even know what their mission is, what their values are, what we stand for. And I think it's really important to start with that anchor always. And, and maybe it's, you know, a couple hours pause or, you know, half a day and say, okay, what do we really stand for? And what are we, what are we together as a team, as a culture? And I've always, in my experience, felt like that anchor point can last 
for a long time. You know, you could have some evolving charters, so to speak, but your vision, mission, culture stay very, very, very uh, stable. And that really anchors you throughout your journey as a team together. Um, and I think that's that's really, really important. Um, and, I, and I think as a team, as a team leader, you, you have to drive, you have to walk the walk and pauses. You have to say, okay, I'm gonna pause and I'm gonna get us all together, whether it's a two-day face-to-face, a three-day strategy session, a two-day training, I've done all of that. And those pauses drive so much creativity. And when we go into the volatile business environment right after, everybody's motivated, everybody knows what they're saying, everybody understands their vision and mission. It's almost like we're singing from the same songbook because we paused together, figured it out together, and then we're launching, right? It's almost like that kind of a, 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 capa- a capability you build on your team. So I really think as a leader, you shouldn't think that you can just get in and get it going. You have to pause. You have to pause and really get everybody on the same page. I love that. Well said. I think, you know, ev- we all have... A- our expertise and areas, but in a team environment, everybody brings different solutions and and ideas that maybe as a leader, we don't think about. So I love that you said bringing everybody together, getting their feedback on how we're attacking whatever the goal is as a team versus as an individual person or in silos. I think, I love it. I, um, I think I need to take that one too and do more pausing myself and um, because I'm guilty of this fast paced environment, moving fast, doing things fast and being mindful. I love that word these days, being mindful on what we're driving for and why and making sure everybody involved understands what that is, um, is really key. Yeah. 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 I agree. And then just another uh, kind of challenge, I think, when I, we talk about like rapidly changing environments, fast-paced industry, technology, um, stress and burnout has become so common with people. Or they, I hear Zoom fatigue a lot, and um, people not being able to take care of their health or not getting up from their desk. Um, any suggestions to our listeners on what self-care practices that you recommend to manage burnout and stress? Yeah, I think the biggest one there is to listen as leaders. We have to listen for those signs and cues. Um, most of my leadership, you know, I would say, okay, you've been traveling nonstop for X amount of weeks. You know, have you taken the time off? Like, I would prompt that question. Have you taken a day off? and just recuperated have you you know taken some time with your family like it's almost like as leaders we have to press on that um being a pre-sales leader where they were constantly doing uh demos talking to customers my team was uh, you know every day all day traveling on sunday it was very important for me to ensure that that question is pulsed almost weekly if not daily and i had i had my door open to most people to be like you know you can reach out to me whenever you want um, if you feel like things are not working the way you want to. So I, I definitely think that as leaders, we need to put, keep a pulse on that because it is real. You know, Zoom fatigue is real. Uh, I ran my own business for four or five years, and I'm going to tell you, like, being a business owner, there's no more fatigue than that because <laughs> it's a 24-7 role. Um, so I, I understand what it is to just keep going and going. And, I, you know, I've learned with my kids, you know, kids kind of ground you in your work-life balance you know, because you have to go pick them up and you have to go do their activities. So I think, I, you know, it's almost like a forced 
I got to shut down for two hours and I'll be online after if I need to. But I usually tell people, you know, unless you really have to, just take time with your family, right? Whether it's weekends, whether it's on a Friday afternoon, just take time. And I, as a leader, I, I, I walk the walk, right? I do the same thing. When I go on vacation, I'm off. There's no one reaching me for the most part, right? Now, if there's an you know, urgent, I will be looking at messages. But my point is, it's, it's, you have to walk the walk. You cannot be the leader to send Sunday messages and be like, oh, can you be off on Sunday? I don't think it works that way. I think you have to you have to show what it is to have work-life balance and how you manage your stress. Um, and I think my team really valued that. They, they, they felt like they didn't need permission to balance yeah. their lives as long as they could see I'm doing the same thing. So, yeah, what I hear you saying is lead from the front and do what you okay. say, right? So if you're expecting your team to have balance and, you know, spend time with their family and be aware of how they're feeling and um, you want to make sure you're doing that as well. I love it. Um, so switching yeah. gears a little bit, talking about challenges, now talking more about empowerment. Once you have the team um organized, they're working towards a common solution, they're adapting to change, they're making, they're being accountable, they're managing burnout. How do you keep them empowered? How do you keep people motivated and, and empowered? I think the big, people just want to be seen and heard. I think that I've seen a lot of the times, like, I'm not even talking about like people who report to you, but you know, hey, I see you, you did this great job. Right. I don't I don't wait for a performance review. You know, if, if a, a, a call if a colleague of mine will say, hey, Brian, on your team did a great job immediately. I'm sending that note saying that was amazing. You did great. Thanks for taking that risk. And I allow them to take risks. I'm OK if they if they take a risk and it doesn't work out. Right. So it's almost like empowering them to be responsible for their own you know, little world and be able to take risks without any um, repercussions. So it's like a psychologically safe place to be. And I think it really empowers people to be like, okay, this is my business, so to speak, quote unquote, and I can go lead it, whether it's I'm a pre-sales architect or I'm a technical salesperson, I'm given this, this portfolio and I'm gonna go drive it. And I know she's got my back. I know she's got my back. And sometimes, you know, it's all about ensuring that they understand their R&R, like their roles and responsibilities, you know, in a very clear manner. But once that's done, it's almost like, okay, take your risks, you know, fail forward if you must, um, you know, be ready for the next chapter. So showing them career progression is very important for me as well. Like, hey, you did a great job, you know, in two years, I'm going to ensure that you get this other role or you get your promotion or whatever. And I do, and like I said, I do definitely walk the walk. When I say I'm gonna get you something and I give you your KPIs and you meet it, I make it happen. It's not, it's not a, you know, one of my, my directors, he said he had not got a promotion in 13 years. And he said not a single manager had pushed him for a promotion. And he had been in the company for 26 years. He was amazing at what he did. He led the team well. And I said, you know what, Brent, if you achieve these things that I'm telling you to do, I will ensure you get it. So he achieved it and he got it. I didn't ensure he got it after 13 years. So to me, it's almost like I have to walk the walk and ensure they get their accolades recognition, whether it's real time or in the yearly performance. And then I want to ensure that they feel like they can take risks within their role without, you know, in a, in a psychologically safe place. And both of that really allows people to feel empowered and motivated in my experience. So how do you tie in um, 
career planning or succession planning in that? So do you um, map it out, like you said, two years? Do you suggest training to them? Do you do um, cross training with them? How does that look like from a career yeah, perspective? So all of that is mapped out. So whether it's so succession planning is one thing, which is like, okay, now I have, so my team had seven directors and they had never left. So most of them were there for 13, 14 years. So everybody underneath them were like, okay, now where do I go? Cause I've been here for another 11 years. So I can't be this role because it's still, you know, filled and they're not moving. So I created this entire team lead concept where I'm like, okay, we're going to create leads on the team. They're kind of successors to the directors, mm -hmm. but they have responsibilities to manage and lead their small group of people so that they have, you know, they have KPIs, they have financial rewards every year that they'll be given if they meet those KPIs. It's almost like creating sub layers, but without really a layer. It's almost like having people step up and figure how they can lead without actually being in that actual position, which is not open yet, right? So I think it's just getting innovative and trying to give people the platform to showcase other talents than they, they usually get. And it really helps. It's, it's part of career progression, but I think it's just part of, can we get innovative as leaders to give people a way to see their careers or their own talents being displayed in a different format than it's what's just, you know, normal HR uh, numbers and games, right? So it's, it's, it's just a different way of thinking. Yeah, and you're truly being a champion for your people. You're, you know, championing and delegating. So delegating responsibility and championing that with them so they feel that, okay, you know, Johnny's been here for 12 years, he's not leaving, but I'm going to be responsible for these two tasks and I'm going to be the best at these two tasks and I, they're my two tasks to be responsible for. I love that. That's a great um, idea for the people that have been at companies for a long time and they're looking to manage people, but the people manager have, have been there for a while. And sometimes managing people is a tough thing and people get into that role and say, whoa, I thought I wanted to manage people. Now that I'm doing this task that Avni has suggested I do, maybe I'm not wanting to be in the people management space. So I think that's another good point is Sometimes people go into that space where they're managing tasks and people and they decide, wow, I like to be an individual contributor better than I do a manager of people, which are two kind of separate um, hats to wear when you uh, work in a day to day. For sure. For sure. And I know a lot of ICs who said, you know, I, I can't do it and they could do it and they were better at it than they thought. And a lot of them would say, wait, I'm not in the limelight anymore. Well, yeah, as a people manager, you are not. You are pushing your people up more than yourself. So it's a, different, it's a different mindset. Totally. Absolutely. I, I, I agree with that. So any final thoughts on challenges with being a leader or maybe a couple, maybe like two of each top, top things to pay attention to? Um, and how people can better empower their staff. I think that right now the environment is very strange, in my opinion, where, you know, people are, are, uh, are feeling less loyal. I'm going to just use a word because it's, it's just churn, whether it's economic, macroeconomic churn, uh, churn within organizations, you know, there's a lot of 
leadership misconceptions around, you know, leadership has to be, you know, hey, we met our KPIs on leadership. And I do believe in Simon Sinek 100% that leadership is not a finite game. You have to be in it for the long term, that you're investing in people, you're investing in culture, and you're investing in something that can be built up and maintained and scalable and repeatable versus just a one, you know, short-term thinking. So I think that's, I don't know if we all have it yet, but I definitely think that that's the leadership mindset that I come with, you know, and I still keep my relationships with my other employees, you know, whether I move jobs or not, because I think it's really important to have that kind of mindset that I'm always here as a mentor and a guide, whether I'm your manager leader or not. And that's the longevity, that's the infinite game. Um, and that's why I said, Simon, I'm just reading his book. So it's kind of top of mind for me. So I love, you know, the, I really do believe in that. It is an infinite game. And second, I think as leaders right now, you know, with the volatility, how transparent can you be? How authentic can you be? How, um, whether it's your decision or not, whether it's, you know, it's within your control or not. I think transparency and authenticity are really, really underrated uh, skills. And I think we need to highlight them as being very important. Oh, yeah. I, you nailed it. I think transparency, I know, you know, I've been a manager of people for um, a large majority of my career. And um, I've had some feedback personally where people are like, you're too transparent with your team. And and I, I, I always feel like authenticity and transparency is the only way I really know how to manage. But um, I've been man, and I don't know if that's because I've been always managed by non-transparent people. Um, so maybe that's what dr drove me to be more of a transparent leader. Um, but I think, I think that's the best way to be is transparent and open, um, where you're able to be and make sure that, you know, your people understand what you're dealing with, what you're up against, um, what's expected of you and, um, and let them feel the same way and let them communicate, um, their feelings and, Hey, you know, I don't like this about you as a manager. And, and I challenge people who are managed by people share with your manager. If there's something they're doing that, you know, maybe you don't like, or you don't agree with, um, find a way to talk to them about it. Cause sometimes as managers, we're not necessarily not interested in it. We just, we're blinded. We don't realize that we're doing something a certain way or, um, maybe you, you have to take your kids to school at a certain time, but your team meeting is every week at that time. Maybe tell your manager, Hey, do you mind pushing? And I'd really love to take my kid to school. Um, and, and be, you know, transparent, and authentic with that ask. And, um, I think when we lead, like you said, with authenticity, real authenticity, like really caring about people, understanding, you know, culturally right now, politically right now is really important to understand. Um, you mentioned at the beginning working with different cultures. I think, you know, for me, I had to learn that myself. Uh, I didn't understand certain cultures. I engaged a certain way and um, was thankful people came to me and said, hey, Melissa, this is how you should engage these type of people. And um, that are in this business. And I, I'm grateful for those people because I was blinded by that. And so I love that you mentioned leading with um, that because it's key. Um, any final thoughts? 
No, I love fun. This was fun. Thanks for having me. Time flies. It flies. I I love I talking. Love this topic. So I could talk forever. <laughs> so we I didn't even talk about women as leaders and all that. But, you know, I think I'm glad we kept it as, you know, leadership as a whole, because I think all these challenges are faced by everyone. Absolutely. And I think we get so mission focused that we forget about the human factor of things. I think we all get so focused and we're all not AI bots yet, right? But I think we get so focused on our tasks, meeting to meeting, that we forget how's, you know, how's your day? How's your kids? How's your life? What's new? Um, that goes a far way when um, leading people and being authentic with it is something we need a lot of. Yeah, I agree. Thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate you, Avni, and I look forward to connecting again on more leadership topics. You've been listening to the Executive Connect podcast. If you have questions or ideas on how to bring leadership to the next level, email us at executiveconnectpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe so you can catch every new episode. Until next time.